0: This is the Sustainable AI Podcast, a podcast that brings together researchers and industry professionals using machine learning to tackle the United Nations' 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Welcome to the Sustainable AI Podcast. I'm your host, Lily Adelstein. Thank you for joining us today. The following conversation is with Arielle Frankel, Director of Public Health at TechChange. In this conversation, we talk about digital public health and her work with public health officials around the world to prepare for and leverage AI and other edge technologies to advance public health priorities. I learned a ton from Arielle in this conversation. Hope you pick up something new, too. All right. Hello, Arielle. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to pick your brain on the topic of public health and um learn more about how your work has come in contact with artificial intelligence. Uh, So if you don't mind kicking things off by telling me a little bit about your role and what you're doing these days. Yeah, sure. Uh, Yes, great to be here. Uh, So my role, uh, I work at a company
1: called Tech Change, and they really specialize in anything and everything related to virtual convenings, from events to trainings and workshops. And uh, I specifically lead Uh, the public health department. So I'm the director of public health at Tech Change. And so any sort of education activity, uh, capacity building for a variety of different audiences, community health workers to frontline healthcare workers to ministry officials, implementing organizations and donor organizations like USAID, UNICEF, and the World Health Organization will run capacity building programs for a variety of those folks. Um, And they can be anything from fully self-paced content, but of course, what's more popular and what tends to uh, create more impact are courses that are have some form of touch points with community interaction, so blended or synchronous trainings where you can also interact with people sort of live as you're learning, and I help lead the team that administers that um, at TechChange.
0: That's wonderful. And can you... Take a moment, real quick, and and explain the concept of capacity building and why that's the strategy you guys move with.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, So, I mean, capacity building is probably just maybe the terminology that's often used in the public health space to describe trainings, workshops, or tools that you would use to help build the capacity or build the knowledge, attitude, skills necessary for executing a variety of different public health programs, initiatives, um, create new ways of thinking um, in that space, and then being able to uh, ideally apply it um, in your work. Uh, This is common in public health, because as different experts in areas of public health um, want to share their knowledge and experience with others, but want those community members to be the ones to lead those efforts and not themselves. So oftentimes, capacity building comes when you are trying to sort of Spread uh, that knowledge, skills, and attitudes to people who could really benefit from that, and then ensuring that they have the tools and that they need to be able to lead those initiatives themselves. Uh, that's the goal. It's always really hard to do that with just one-off trainings. Trainings by themselves by no means create behavior change. There's so many other components needed to really ensure that capacity buildings are are effective, such as having like community experiences, a lot of touch points. That are beyond just the one off training to really help ensure that knowledge is being transferred and those skills are being applied. But ideally, training is one step in the larger capacity building process to make sure communities have what they need to lead a variety of different public health programs and initiatives.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that. And so I know that public health is a massive term and includes a lot of different things. But <laughs> yes. can you give us kind of just a, a high level sense of? You know what is public health, and what what do you find to be really important about public health?
1: Yeah, Lily, well, you're right. Uh, it's a pretty large umbrella term. Um, I think at first, it uh, upon like the most not generic definition, but the most obvious one is that it's like the study. It's 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 the ability to sort of prevent disease, illness, injury at more of like a community level. So it's a bit more macro level focused not just on those micro interactions that you have like doctor to patient, but on everything that's led you to that point. So it's very patient-centered and holistic and considers the social determinants of of health, which is what people often speak to as of, and that's why it can become such a huge umbrella because the factors that, the social determinants that impact a person's health beyond just the biological or physical factors are pretty extensive. Um, and so that's where you get that massive umbrella of public health where you can find a variety of different ways to affect communities, um, health, and when you expand that to well-being, it really becomes a much broader space and field.
0: Great. thank you. I think you tackled the massive concept really well. I think that was awesome. Um, and so, can you talk about um, how has your work come into contact with artificial intelligence? Yeah, it's a little bit of a roundabout way. Um, so, specifically
1: at Tech Change, um, since we, as, as I said, we run a lot of different kinds of trainings and programs for those in the public health space, or at least my department really focuses on that. And increasingly, so um, digital health has become just this ever present field in the public health space. It used to be very s- sort of siloed, um, it's also like Con- constantly emerging with new edge technology, so it's an always evolving field that's hard to really capture. First, maybe it was called just m health or mobile health, and then it just expanded to include a variety of different technologies, and has now sort of had this newly sort of branded terminology of digital health and. There are people who are specialists in digital health, but increasingly so it's it's difficult to separate yourself as a public health professional from anything digital because technology has infiltrated every aspect. So you might be an HIV specialist, but it might still be just as important to understand some basic elements of digital health. Uh, So that's become a big need. And as a result, we've been leading a lot of trainings and programs in this space. And one of those trainings specifically has incorporated a module on these kind of edge technologies that, are, that have either been emerged and really prevalent in a lot of other areas, but are increasingly becoming prevalent in a public health space. And one of those technologies is AI or machine learning, um, but the course in and of itself that I'm, spe- that I'm speaking to where we describe AI and machine learning, that's just really one sliver or one component of a much larger course on digital health uh, for ministry officials around the world.
0: And what are some of the challenges that the course is set up to address um, in terms of the public health? And yeah, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing public health officials face when they're dealing with artificial intelligence and digital health?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, maybe I can speak to First, some of like the reason why this course was important in the first place, and then specifically how that ties back to that AI machine learning piece. So part of the reason why this course was established is um, in part because uh, a variety of different nas- like national governments around the world have digital health tools uh, or systems, software applications, whatever you want to call it and they often um, work in very fragmented or siloed spaces. So rather than exchanging data in a very effective manner, they're kind of operating on their own um, and it doesn't always provide those who are leading with the ability to review data at a scale that they need to. Um, It also creates a lot more challenges and problems with then responding to public health problems and crises because you can't really see the big picture of what's happening. Um, And then in the case of those working specifically in more of the low to middle income setting um, countries that that have a lot of specifically donor driven or uh, funded um, digital health interventions, there's also a challenge of ownership and how do you transfer this information over and sort of prevent the continued fragmentation of this space and create a more unified, Um, or interoperable space is what they're looking for interoperability being like that systematic exchange and communication of of the data from these different digital health interventions and done in a way that is being supported by a really strong foundation that considers um, everything from the key stakeholders involved uh, to the actual technology and pieces behind it so we say that interoperability is like 90% 90% communication and coordination in the end and then 10% technology. So that's a really a big challenge for not just a lot of these uh, countries that we tend to work with a lot through the World Health Organization, which are more low to middle income countries, but also here in the United States, an incredible challenge, um, these fragmented systems. So knowing that that's the landscape that so many of us are in with AI and machine learning that is so dependent on having really strong data Uh, like what comes in uh you don't want garbage in and garbage out and you want it to hopefully assist and help you uh like make your programs that much more effective but if you have incomplete data or low quality data or not even an understanding of how best to use this data to inform let's say policies or programs or other kinds of decisions uh it's just not going to be an effective or useful tool and in fact it could just continue to perpetuate sort of maybe potentially even unethical results. Um, So that is really the crux of the challenge that folks coming into this course are facing. So at a baseline, we try to address the need uh, to invest in interoperability and how best to do that um, as a country and how can you advocate for it before even jumping to the place in which you feel like AI or machine learning can service your needs, your public health needs in the most effective way.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. I think it can, you know, even in industry, I think you see this excitement to try out tools and just to start running forward, but then you have to, at some point, take a step back and understand, do we have the right infrastructure? Do we have the right data strategy? And that can right. be incredibly difficult. Right. That's exactly
1: right. We call that in our course, we call that the enabling environment. And that's some of the the largest focus is really placed on making sure those pieces and infrastructure are there um before really rebounding and, and moving forward to sort of these edge technologies that kind of require a little bit more of an evaluation or critique before you can really jump to that shiny new thing uh, make sure the other foundational pieces are in place
0: yeah that makes sense and so how does the module help people overcome these challenges and help them take this sort of fragmented digital space and and try to centralize and organize things
1: yeah, so it's, it's quite an intensive course. It's about, I would say about 30 hours of training. Uh, so we meet several times a week uh, virtually with a variety of ministry officials from uh, different regions, usually facilitated through the World Health Organization. So I think having that community is also a big aspect. So you can learn from one another and not just from the course structure, but we really walk through the course in and of itself, because it's so holistic, we don't just uh, go to that module on AI and machine learning without all the other contexts applied to it. So by the time they get to that module, which is the final module in the course where we sort of have them explore the future of digital health and other edge technologies to consider, uh, they're building towards that by first exploring A health systems perspective, what are digital health interventions and how do you really tie them to your health system challenges, how do you make sure they're really addressing pain points and you're not really starting with a solution first and then trying to figure out a problem it applies to but really. Tracking the problem and making sure your solution is relevant to it, Um, and then even considering beyond digital what are some other enabling environmental factors that you need to have there that are not necessarily just digital or just technological. Um, And even thinking everything from your national strategy to your government and your policies and your workforce capacity building strategies and your costing and procurement, all of that really coming into play as like a framework to help them uh, by the time they get to a module that even considers or focuses on these more edge technologies, there's a lot of that substance in place to help with an evaluation criteria as they go through an activity where they're given a scenario with our case, with a fictional case study that we have that is just strung throughout the entire course. And they review that, um, evaluate it for a combination of those things related to like, is your enabling environment in a place to have this? Do you have fragmented systems? What would be best to maybe invest in first before you jump into something like this? And then considering also some of those ethical uh, components, because with newer technologies, we don't always know all the potential consequences that can come out of something like that. So there are just there's a bit more thought that needs to be placed on ethics and equity and avoiding um, that kind of bias. So at that point in time in the course, there's a lot of that framework in place. So the it's just kind of amazing to see the nature of how the conversation and discussion really changes by that point in time. They just sound a lot more like experts in the room just already knowing what questions to ask. Whereas before, if we would have started with something like that, I think it would be difficult for people to know how do I think bigger and broader and really tie in all these concepts related to data completeness and quality of data to, uh, to analyzing whether this is the right move for us um, with that framework in mind. Um, yeah, so we can really see the confidence sort of change and we've gotten some pretty impressive feedback from participants about how much more confident they feel advocating for a more interoperable approach to digital as a whole, uh, leaving the course.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because I think some elements might seem intuitive, but it's still so important to kind of refocus on them. Even this concept of like being guided by the problem. I think when you learn about a new technology and you see all the powers of it, you get so excited about like, using potentially like the most complex version of it, but making sure that you're much more guided by the problem, because sometimes the simplest version of a technology can be used and have a powerful impact. Mm
1: -hmm. Completely.
0: And so you've mentioned ministers um, as the target of the course can you talk to us a little bit about like the profile because it doesn't sound like you're talking to technology experts you're talking to more domain experts that's a good question
1: actually it is it is such a we we actually do get a, quite a range in a course we get people who are also beginners of digital health like never never had exposure to it so they might be ministry like they maybe they serve as in the ministry of finance or maybe they specialize in HIV uh, to people who have interacted a lot with digital, but in a very specific like informatics way. So health and informatics or epidemiologists, or um, you know, more of like, as they do research and collect data and things along those lines, and have done that for many years. And then there are people who have been trying to enable this digital health strategy for so long and don't have a lot of those resources and the backings and the buy-in and are so excited to have something like this to help them continue to advocate for that in that way. And then there are people who are in the information and technology units of their uh, ministry. And they actually do have a great understanding of things like standards and interoperability, which are a lot of the technical pieces of our course that go into much more of like the architecture behind all of this digital infrastructure but um, may not have understanding of how this fits into a national strategy, or how do policies interact with this, or, oh, I guess it is really important to, uh, you know, potentially use a human-centered design in addition to more of a uh, business analytical approach to determining digital health programs and strategies. So I think the course actually appeals to a huge range of ministry officials with a variety of different experiences. And because there's just so much covered at such a breadth of the national planning process of digital, that there's no way to be an expert in all these topics, it would actually be pretty difficult to imagine that somebody is like in charge of all of these initiatives in their country. So ideally, like not even everything is fully uh, applicable to every single member in the course, but it gives them such a good lens of the bigger picture that almost everyone can draw something from it and I think those who have a lot more experience get exposure to new ideas and new things and those who've never seen anything maybe they have to come back again and again to get to feel like they really understand the full picture but at a at the end of the course really have so much more knowledge gain than they than, like it, it's it, it's amazing to see where beginners kind of go after at the end of this course And then of course, there are ways that you can deep dive after this and take more specific courses that really focus on the technological tech, tech point like tech portions, or maybe somebody who's really interested in AI and machine learning can now go into a really deep dive version of that after having this as like a foundation um, before kicking off sort of more more applicable things related to what the work that they're doing in in their countries.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even just, helping people dive into the unknown and see what the different avenues are there is so helpful because i think especially with terms like artificial intelligence and machine learning you can learn the definition but when you sort of start walking down that path then you see oh wait there's so many different avenues here um yeah yeah i I think one of the hardest
1: thing of this course and even just like delivering it and getting to the point where it could be delivered was just trying to get to a point where there was a an agreed upon shared terminology to describe a lot of these things, because even the Mm -hmm. terms have changed so much over the course of the years, like how to describe these things has just is going as quickly as the field is going. So it's hard to keep pace, but also to find the right terms to use for the participants in our course, but also tell them what these terms might be called somewhere else. So if they go read this elsewhere, they know that this is the same thing as this. So also leaving this classroom with Um, a shared terminology and understanding of key concepts is one of the largest successes that we feel like we've had because the field in itself was very fragmented because people would be talking about different things or the same things, but saying it in different ways. And it was hard to have a shared vision or conversation around anything related to digital if you just had different ways of talking about it.
0: Definitely. And especially when you're new to a space, sometimes when you miss a word in a conversation or the jargon is just slightly above your head, it can mean that you can't be included in a conversation that you could have so much insight into. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a really good point. The jargon definitely can be a, can be a challenge. So this definitely helps try to break some of those divides with people who like would otherwise run away from that topic as a ministry of finance or I just specialize in HIV and I just focus on that. um, How and why should I know this vocabulary? So it definitely helps.
0: Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, And so I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the impact that you're hearing from the course. I I can't recall exactly how long you guys have been doing it for, um, but if you could talk a little bit about the impact that you've seen so far, that would be great.
1: Yeah, so this specific course, which is called the Digital Health Planning National Systems course was established with a combination of USAID, the World Health Organization, Path at Digital Square. So, several different um, institutions have all invested in this. Gates Foundation has invested in this as well, just to get it to this point. So, it has been out there for a while to be able to get it to a point where it feels sort of ref- a refined version of what it is today. It started in 2018 more as. Uh, work like uh, I think it was like a two week sort of workshop conference um, in Lesotho and then Benin so also in French uh, to just get this material out there and bring ministry officials together but people wanted something more bite-sized not just a place where they would go sort of conference style but how can I take tools with me can we make this into more of a course that's where tech change really stepped in and we were attempting to make it in collaboration with all these folks and subject matter experts from over, from all over the world. Um, and a, a senior digital health advisor at USAID, Merrick Schaefer worked with us in particular to really get it to this point. And we were ready to go and try to pilot a delivery of it. Uh, I believe it was gonna be in Cambodia um, and also in Sierra Leone. But then of course the pandemic came and right at that point in time, we had to just quickly pivot into trying to, how do you create like a, what was a one week course into a virtual course? Um, And on top of that, you can't just say, we're gonna have someone sit here for eight hours a day on Zoom for, you just can't rinse, repeat the same model and just suddenly deliver it virtually. And at TechChange, since we specialize so much in virtual convenings, we knew we could leverage our platform to do so much more. Uh, So it it was a big trial and error here, Uh, but we got to the point where we um, have now since delivered this virtually enough times that we feel like it's a rinse and repeatable model. We have now delivered it not just synchronously, um, that's how we started, but because it was so well done in that form by by the end of the first year of 2020, we felt really good about it. And then we started creating a more blended version so people could take Do some self-paced learning and then come together just for group activities. Sometimes people prefer that because they can learn on their own pace, but then still come together as a cohort. So that's just to get it out to more audiences um, and to make it more scalable and sustainable, especially as you translate things, it's much harder to uh, translates a synchronous course because you also need facilitators from those regions or who speak that language who both know the language and also know this topic well enough to do so. So to make this more scalable, a blended version tends to work better in that case. And so we have uh, trained over, I would say, 250 or so uh, people from around the world, um, primarily ministry officials because the synchronous courses. Um, had over 100 coming from there, Um, and and then the blended course, um, which can take a lot larger of a cohort, had about 100 people as well, so, but in that course, we had a much more variety of folks participating in in the course, because it was open enrollment, so it was a variety of different digital health stakeholders, not just ministry officials, but also implementing organizations, donors, funders, etc., and even some of those folks have sat in on the course trainings that were synchronous with ministry officials. And that's been a really interesting dynamic because they can hear and learn from ministry officials directly. And that helps bridge the gap sometimes between those two spaces of key stakeholders in the digital health space. So at this point, that's about how many people we've trained and the impact has been pretty incredible. I mean, immediately following the course, there's always just like a huge rise in knowledge and attitudes that have shifted knowledge gained in a variety of different digital health concepts. Um, And then attitude shift towards, you know, pushing towards this really interoperable um, sort of approach towards digital health, like pushing for interoperability and really trying to find ways to get out of that fragmented and siloed space. And how do you advocate this from a national strategy perspective when you write that, to the policies that you build, to the way that you capacitate your workforce, all that and how you cost and procure things in a way that has an eye towards building an enterprise to support this and continuing to invest in different aspects of your enabling environment and understanding and analyzing the health system challenges that you face and catering everything towards responding to those problems and challenges. So that's really the knowledge and attitudes piece that happens, but to get to a skills thing, to really like see skills change or actually applying skills, it's really difficult to assess that immediately following a course, of course, of course. (laughs) Um, But that's mostly because, um, you know, you. People don't always have the opportunity to practice those skills in their work um, within the time frame that we run a course. So how can we assess that? Well, it, it turns out that because of COVID-19 in particular, it's just the absolute necessity of digital in these spaces is so huge that people have a million different opportunities to apply these skills and are doing it, and we're just waiting for something to help guide them. But otherwise, we're sometimes doing it on the fly because they had all this funding for COVID work, and they needed to do it, and they wanted to do it, and so much of it was digital because they needed to see a huge picture epidemiologically of what's happening at a population level related to this disease. So they had a lot of immediate applicability and to what this course could bring to what they were already doing in country. Or some countries were in the process of developing their national strategy, digital health national strategy, exactly as we were running the course. So it couldn't have been more relevant to what they were currently working on. So I think we were in a place where it was like the right time also. And so we've actually been able to see people immediately apply the skills even throughout the duration of the course. We've had people say on our last day, you know, last week I brought these slides to my team and we um, totally shifted our approach. We're going to go with a digital public good or a global good is what we call it instead of creating our own application from scratch. Or another country was saying, you know, we were thinking of doing AI and machine learning. I think we wanna still do that, but we're just not ready given all these factors and we're gonna start evaluating and assessing our enabling environment first before we make a decision. So we've had people say that immediately following the course and feedback sessions. And then recently we've done a six month uh, monitoring and evaluation of, of people's experiences and it's just amazing, six months out, nine months out of this course, um, people are still consulting our resources daily. They say that some of them said that there's not a day that goes by that they don't send some of these slides to their colleagues to just get around the same terminology. Um, they, they've started to use some of this as uh, reporting metrics. So we have a way to help people think through their enabling environment and measure the maturity. And they're using the template that we have to do that. And they meet regionally with a bunch of different countries in the Southeast Asian region, um, pretty free, like monthly to look at that using some of these templated features. Um, uh, One person mentioned that they um, have been assigned to be the the person who basically is going to be spearheading the writing of the digital health national strategy. And they're starting basing it on all the concepts that were taught throughout the course. So that's things that change things at a national scale that frankly, I don't think we were anticipating um, would happen out of a training or a course like this, but it's turned out to be Pretty pretty amazing to see the effects of what the course has. And the M&E that we're working on will be done around the end of next month, and hopefully we'll have a better assessment with a combination of surveys and key informant interviews to capture some of these case study experiences that um, people are people are using and applying the information from the course to transform. An entire approach to digital health towards one that's more about interoperability and and how to do that, which is a lot of work and it's really hard, but um, it's pretty impressive that they're making strides towards that.
0: Yeah, and what an amazing new phase of US engagement with other countries, I mean, I know that this has been going on for a while sort of sharing tech capacity, um, but it just seems like such a a powerful thing to, to share, like knowledge to share. Um, And I also wonder if the workforce will start to change a little bit in public health. I I know that often at a community level, you have sort of nurses and and doctors and maybe um, sort of nurses or volunteers who go into the community. Um, But you don't often think of like software engineers or data scientists or you know, machine learning engineers or people like that as part of maybe a local community public health workforce. And I, I wonder if that will change down the, the, the road with efforts like these.
1: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I know that
0: um, a lot of these countries have
1: already implemented or already have a lot of those folks more serving at a national level or sometimes at a district level. But at the community level itself would be hugely valuable, and of course, it depends on a variety of different factors how they how they're able to invest and support the capacity of their teams. But yeah, I think community health workers often get burdened with a lot of the um, the work on that level to collect the data that's necessary and needed for all these systems to work on the on the on the bigger on the bigger scales. Uh, so it would be interesting to to see how this sort of um, filters down from the leadership level, which we're really training and working with leadership and maybe like higher level managers and implementers to uh, people who are more frontline um, health workers on the ground.
0: All right, well, I have one more question for you. Uh, What do you see or hope for the future of this course and the effort behind this course? Let's
1: see. I I would love to be able to continue to, I mean, something that we do from the start is the course was never built in isolation and it was never built with like, we know best and here's the way to do it. It was always built in collaboration with all these folks constantly working on these issues from a variety of different countries and perspectives, and based on a bunch of different guidelines and documentation already in existence from the World Health Organization. So I think I'm pretty proud of the way that it was developed with such collaborative efforts and at every stage of the process, constantly iterating and reiterating the approach based on every round of of delivery of this course on the participant feedback, anything that they had to say, trying to be responsive as much as possible to that and making it best for their use case. I guess where I'd like this to go is to, to the point where um, we can hear more of sort of this whole shift in the way that people are talking about digital health. Um, I think we're already starting to see the ripple effects of this course um, in just what I was saying to you before about the m and that we were doing for the last, the last year's uh, course participants who graduated from, from this. And it's just the ripple effects are pretty astounding. So I would, I would love to get a better sense of how that continues to shape the landscape of digital health. And, and be more coordinated in that space um, to affect ultimately, the whole reason behind this is to improve public health of countries. And um, digital is just a tool to help get sort of closer to that. And often it's really hard to get towards any sort of universal changes without some level of digital involvement to really see things at that scale and and benefit people in that love, in that way. So I guess, It would be to, yeah, to get a better sense of how this course and other efforts around this continue to shift the landscape and and create ripple effects um, that will ultimately ensure for more interoperable digital health environments that could benefit and better uh, the public health of countries all over the world. uh, Because it's, again, we don't work in silos. We don't even silo ourselves to one country. I mean, it's very global. So these digital tools could and when I speak about interoperability and collaboration and coordination that's really like a global effort it's not just even just a singular country working on this by themselves so that's the ultimate goal really is to get to that point and there's more collaboration coordination globally around digital health and public health more broadly.
0: Yeah, it's so exciting because obviously every country has unique needs and issues to address in terms of public health, but at the same time public health is also such a global thing I mean. You see Ebola start in one country, it moves to another country, and so being able to quickly move information to be able to address issues is just so cool and so exciting, and I feel like there's so much potential there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think just as as technology becomes even more considered like edge or new or exciting or innovative... This course is still just going to be just as relevant or the concepts in it, maybe not this course specifically, but the concepts that are being taught here are so elemental to all of that as a foundation. Uh, So it's just going to become all the more important um, as we continue to evolve and grow. So I can't imagine there'll be a time where some of these concepts won't be important because of just the nature of the incredible necessity of collaboration and coordination at community levels to make so much of public health work.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I think with such a a wealth of knowledge online, having the tools to know how to approach new information and new technology, not get sucked up in the hype and not go down a road just because everybody's making it sound good um, and making sort of like critical decisions for your your constituency is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, well, wonderful. This was so great, Arielle. I feel like you've painted a really full and rich picture of what you what you all are working on. Um, so I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me today and I just want to be clear that this is absolutely a team effort uh, course and everything and also how it got to this point and all the participants that we work with consistently from around the world have really made it what it is and so it wouldn't be wouldn't be what it is now without without all of that and how much we're learning constantly day to day from everyone so many things are shifting on the ground especially in digital so it's it's pretty incredible to just be at this apex right now in public health and technology um, at a time like this so yeah it's exciting thank you for having me thanks